Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. God is a God of miracles. The Bible says he never changes. It says he's not a man that he should lie. And if God has promised you something, he will bring it to pass. And if it hasn't come to pass yet, it will. So stay in faith. And just as we were preparing, I was praying for this wife, I thought of Ephesians 3.20, a scripture we all know, but... One I wanted to remind us of it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine, to him be the glory. And I'm telling you, when we glorify God, the power of heaven is released to our lives. When we, as Melissa said, put him first and make him central, everything else works out. And I'm just excited. I want you to get ready for the word this morning. We've asked Anushka, Russell, and Amanda to come and share. And I want you to receive from the Word. It's the Word that brings life. It's the Word that heals. It's the Word that strengthens. And if there's any anything in your world this morning that is too big for you to deal with, I want to encourage you to give it to God. To, as the Word says, cast your cares upon Him. Because he cares for you. And I believe this morning is going to be a morning of miracles. So church, would you put your hands together in welcoming Anushka Kimberly as she comes to preach. Thanks, Chichi. Wow. First of all, I just want to say thank you for giving me this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. It's uh, it's a real honour to be able to tell you a little bit about what God has done in my life. And it's hard to do in 10 minutes, but I'm going to do my best. Um, So anyone who knows me knows I love a good definition. Uh, And I usually commence with the definition of what we're going to be talking about, but I couldn't find one of miracles that I liked, so I made one up myself. It goes a little bit like this. I think a miracle is a provision from God which you desire that comes to pass in his time and is more abundant in every way. And to understand why I've defined it like that, I want to share some of the miracles that have happened in my life that have been game changers. So how I actually came to faith was when I was about eight years old, I had a really severe eye accident and I nearly lost my sight. Uh, And I woke up after the operation that had to clear out my eye because I cut my cornea and it just missed my pupil by millimetres. And the doctor said, you know, if she opens her eyes and she can see, then we know that, you know, it's been healed and it's it's all good. Uh, And I opened my eyes and I couldn't see. It was completely blurry and they had to have a conversation with my parents to say, well, I think, you know, the sight's gone in that eye. Uh, and then these people that I barely knew came and started praying for me. And that's the first time I knew about Jesus or what prayer was. And it was interesting. Um, but a couple of days later, they took the eye patch off again and I had perfect vision. And I've never had an issue since. If you look in my eye now, you'll see a huge scar across it, which is a, a reminder of that. But that was my first encounter of this God, Jesus, didn't really go much further than that. The, the second miracle, which I won't go too much into, is my husband now, Eddie. Uh, if you saw some of the boys that I dated before him, it is a miracle that we ended up together and we have an amazing family. He's an amazing man of God and I just love him so much. And he is my second miracle. God, I know, made that happen. Oh, so good. 
Our third miracle is actually right here in Noosa, um, in the home that we have been given. And if anybody's seen our home, it it, it is like a monstrous home <laughs> to the extent that we've actually had to put people in below us because it's just too big for our family. And when we first got it, I thought it was ridiculous how big this house was and how we're going to pay for it. And the one thing that I thought about was how we're going to pay for the swimming pool. And it's all I kept thinking was, how are we going to pay for this pool? Because it's huge. Anyway, there was so much fear buying this home. And God had a scripture that he just nailed in that foundation of that home. And it's the Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And he said to me that this home is a gift to you. And it was more abundant than anything we could have imagined at the time. Um, and I'm pleased to say we can pay for the pool now and, and, and some. The fourth miracle, which was a game changer, which I've spoken to um, this church about before, so I'm not going to go into it with um, my kids. So we, we had a number of miscarriages and it was really hard to fall pregnant and um, our two girls are God's miracle. Um, and I'm so grateful for them. But I think I'm actually living in my greatest miracle. Um, and in order to understand where I'm at in that point of time, I need you to know my faith journey. I feel like my early miracles, I was like a little baby. I kind of cried and I got what I want. I opened up a scripture, I pointed to something, and I was like, whoa, that's a miracle that that speaks into my life because I didn't know the Bible very well. Then I grew some faith and I got some toddler miracles where I kind of knew about God, knew about the Bible, and I found I had to work a little bit harder to get my miracles. Then as the miracles kind of got bigger, I felt like the trials got harder. And I know now that they were just preparing me for the miracle that I'm living in right now. Do you know what else surrounded those miracles? was fear. I doubted myself and I didn't know whether the miracle would come to pass because the devil was trying to stop me from fulfilling God's promises. Uh, and there's that same new levels, um, different devils, I think it is. And that's so true. So much fear surrounded that. But now I think I'm a bit like a, a preschooler. I've got a little bit more faith. I have a relationship with God. I'm listening to my teacher and I'm following his guidance a little bit more. And the miracle that I'm now living in is the transformation that he's creating in me and for my kids to transform a generation. Because what else you might not know about me is I grew up in a Buddhist family and Buddhism was our world. My dad was Buddhist, my mum has since come to Christ, but she was a Buddhist as well. And I could be a Buddhist right now. There was God was not in my life. So to me, that first miracle where he healed my eye to right now is a miracle of transformation for what he's done within me. And my girls now are actually going to know Christ. They come to church every week. They speak God's language. They pray. We pray at dinner. And it's just part of who we are. And I actually came across this pillow that's been sitting on our couch for a long time, and I just bought it because it's pretty. <laughs> it's got this scripture on it, which now I know is actually the scripture for this time, and it's Ruth 3.11, and it says, Be still, my daughter. He will not rest until he finishes his business today. And I now know that I just need to be patient like Ruth, and I need to trust in the process. It's a, it's a long process, 
It's a transformational process, but that is the miracle that's going to come to pass. So I don't know where you're at in your miracle, but don't doubt for a second that God isn't with you. I want you to be bold in your faith and what you want and step into his promises. Be grateful for your tests and have faith your miracle will come to pass because we serve a God who is a God of miracles and you're only limited by your ability to let him in and trust what's already written. So I thank you for letting me share my miracle journey with you. I feel like it's just a starting point and I think if I can be accountable to you, I want you to hold me accountable to my faith and to my family and what we're going to do and help me raise my kids by speaking God's love and God's language to everyone around you. Because if we can grow a community of believers, it's going to rub off on our kids. Yeah. And that is the greatest gift of all. So if I'm the preschooler in my faith journey, I want to hand over now to Russell, who's definitely the professor. <laughs> and uh, he's going to share with us a little bit now about his miracles. Yeah, I knew I was in trouble. The moment there were going to be two inspiring women either side of what I was going to say. And then uh, Anuska may or may not know it, but that was some good theology. So, yeah. yeah. Look, if you've got faith, now's a good time to start praying because uh, you've got them and then you've only got me. And uh, not that that's bad, but it's going to take some faith for 10, ten minutes, right? Yeah. And uh, secondly, uh, my, my story is a lot more, uh, my miracle story is just a lot more basic. It's more fundamental. It's, um, and yet it, it was so similar in that it's just about God loving us, loving our families, loving us as individuals, loving our present and loving our future. And that's what was in this story I'm about to tell you. Now, I, I guess Sue and I, um, in a 40 plus years of walking with God, we've seen a share of, of miracles. Uh, some that we uh, benefited from personally, but mostly in other people's lives. And so it's um, like you guys, I imagine, um, I, I think pretty much everyone probably knows of a miracle, a modern day miracle. Uh, you'll have experienced it yourself, you've maybe just observed it from a bit of a distance, or you know about it. But uh, they're as alive today as they ever have been. So I want to tell you about ours. Um, I, uh, I think that um, <clears throat> it goes back to 1985. That's a long time ago. A lot of you weren't even born. I'm looking around the room. Yeah, Matt, you couldn't have been born. No. Uh, but things were going okay for, for us. And so we purchased a brand new Range Rover. And uh, at the time, it was like, well, that's nice and uh, it was great for going down to the snow. And, yeah, kind of just got all the, the benefits out of having a new car. It was really, really nice. Well, 10 years on, um, things, particularly our financial circumstances, weren't so hot. And uh, the uh, then new, now 10-year-old, pretty much worn out Range Rover had nearly 300,000 kilometres on. And uh, that, that's okay, because some vehicles are 300,000 Ks, that's not a problem, you can just service them well. 
look after them, they're fine. This one, not so much. And I wasn't particularly soft on the car through its life, and so uh, you could basically say the motor was worn out. Now, um, I, I happened to start my working career uh, in um, trade-level automotive engineering. Another word for that is motor mechanic. And uh, I kind of knew what was wrong with the car, particularly after I'd actually done some, done some work on it and analysed the exact problem. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of boring details. I imagine there'd be some people in the room that would know about motors and some people wouldn't. But there's some fundamental physics that happen in a motor um, uh, over time. And when it wears out, basically what's happened is steel um, has been rubbing against steel for too long and it's worn out. It's, it's actually taken millimetres off the piston rings and off the cylinder, the ball of a motor. And what happens then is that allows oil at a level, uh, that is a volume, uh, that's um, undesirable in places where it shouldn't be. And the result is you get a whole lot of smoke blowing out the exhaust pipe. Um, and that was had, that had been, um, by the stage that this miracle took place, that had been the case for some months, uh, to the point where you know, the kids never wanted to get in the car, Sue was... You know, embarrassed. I remember we were down the snow once and, uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty going up the mountain that day. Um, so here we are, uh, you know, in, in, in the church, in ministry, you know, believers, and uh, we, uh, we just, and we love the Lord. And here's this example of a motor vehicle, not exactly a blessing. And so uh, anyway, there was a particular day where we had to both be in Sydney, but we had to have two vehicles in Sydney. I can't even remember exactly the reason now, but we had to take both vehicles. Now, we used to live down the south coast of New South Wales, Tenerife Coast, south of Sydney, a place called Jervis Bay, another paradise. Uh, and uh, we were, um, we, were we, we lived on the beach, and so it was, it was stunning. It was wonderful. Um, this particular day, uh, we had to both go to Sydney, so, and we also had a, another vehicle which was kind of a more trusty Toyota Hilux dual cab. And, uh, and so we had to go to Sydney, and uh, Sue, that means Sue was going to have to drive the car. Uh, and there's a thing called Mount Oosley, a place called Mount Oosley between uh, Jervis Bay and Sydney, and it's a 300 metre plus climb up this mountain. Not compatible with the vehicle. And uh, and, 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 and when I say not compatible with the vehicle, I mean, uh, let me try and give you a picture of what it was like. Um, compared to a, a Mount Oosley is known for its fogs uh, in all sorts of conditions. It's just weird. It just has a, a fog just dump on the place. And you've got to slow down like the 5 or 10 k's an hour and have flashing lights and all that, or sometimes stop. One of the problems is that some people stop right in the middle of the road because they just can't see any further and they're not going to go anywhere. And you, and, but compared to the exhaust of our Range Rover, the Driscoll's Range Rover, that was a walk in the park in fog. So, knowing what was wrong, knowing, being embarrassed um, by the circumstances, uh, feeling for Sue and the kids and their embarrassment, and knowing what they were um, going to face in just a, you know, an hour or so's time, uh, I. A lot of details I don't remember, but this I remember. 
that was in the kitchen of this little house we were living in. And Sue said, such an encouraging wife. Sue said, you're the man of the house. You're the priest of the house. You're the person with you know, supposed faith. Why don't you just go out to the driveway, lift that one, lay your hands on that motor, and see a miracle. Now, my initial mental response, silent mental response, was what the heck do you know about the internals of a combustion engine? What? Uh, and there were a few other thoughts. Um, but I did find myself, strangely, walking towards the vehicle. And as I was, there was something just so, so deep inside, somewhere in my spirit, that I soon recognised that it was a rebuke from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was saying, come on, you know this scripture. Do I have to remind you? And we all know it, don't we? Hebrews 11, the, fact, the chapter of faith, right? And it starts off by saying that faith, faith is simply the confidence of hope and the evidence of things you have not yet seen. And so I'm walking towards the car with the bonnet, still very hesitant. Wondering who's looking. <laughs> but also disappointed in myself. Because I know that God could. I just didn't think he would. I didn't see there was justification for a miracle. Anyway, I prayed the most simplest of prayers. And I basically just declared some truths of God including the authority that we've been given in his name. Well, I shut the bonnet, we went inside, we packed, we got in cars, we went to Sydney. As we went up, and I was right behind Sue, um, for two reasons, one to encourage her, two in case, three reasons, two in case the vehicle just needed to push. Three, that wasn't likely, but could be. But three... Um, to stop people coming up the back of the Range Road where the kids were and Sue, um, if, if, if the fog got so bad that it, you know, like, well, we drove up. We had telephones going. I remember telephones. And uh, we we drove up and Sue said, I can't see any smoke in the river tonight. And I said, there is none. And there was none. I mean, it was not, not a, a hint of smoke. I mean, come on. How is that possible? Now, let me, let me just say, some time earlier, I did... Here we go. 30 seconds. Sometime before, I did put an additive in, and that additive would be good enough to keep the smoke to a minimum on flats. Become a hill was a disaster. Anyway, got, got up there. So I just wanted to um, say to you, you know, don't ever underestimate God's love for you. And if he did it for our family, he'll do it for yours. He'll definitely do it for yours because I'm sure you're more deserving. But you should just keep asking. When you have a miracle need, go to the miracle maker. Yay. (laughs) I'm off, but just as I go, there was a scripture that we were going to read, so I encourage you, if you would... Okay, come on, can we put it up? That'd be great. This comes out of the Passion Translation, which I've been reading for the last few years. Um, But it really gives me a foundational truth and theology 
about the miracle I've just told you. It's um, chapter um, uh, three. Ah, okay, it's up there. Chapter three, and just three verses. Then you'll be empowered to discover what every holy that one that you experiences, the great magnitude, the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measure that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. And the next bit. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Amen. Amen. And we now have the amazing Amanda, who I know is just going to blow us away. I love how God weaves themes together. Um, you know, Nushi and I haven't spoken, Russell and I haven't spoken. He sent me his scripture last night. I didn't read it until this morning when I put it together. So I had no idea what they were talking about. They had no idea what I was talking about, but God knows. And his story and his his word for you today is that you are loved. There is a theme of his love for you through this this morning. And I want to share, and it's the same as Nushi. It's quite funny. Nushi and I walked into C3 Noosa together on the same day back in 2013. We didn't know each other. We'd ne- neither of us had ever walked into the church. We both walked in on the same day. And God's done an amazing work in both of our lives. It's pretty cool to watch. Um, and, and same scriptures. I've got 29, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 in mind as well. So we know that God's moving here today. God is speaking here today. And this is from him. This isn't from us. But when I wanted to share around miracle stories and when I'm pondering my life over the last seven and a half years while I've been walking with Christ, it is the testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. Um, You know, I could share, and I've shared many times during offerings, about the financial blessings and the amazing, you know, provision that he has given to me. But that, to me, doesn't really even come close to his goodness and his love for us. Um, so I just want to share something really simple. And when I read the Bible and I read about the miracle stories and I read about, you know, all of the miracles that occurred, uh, like the cleansed leper or the man with the withered hand or the lady with the issue of blood or, or even the, the dead person that was thrown on Elisha's bones and they came back to life, you, you read them and they're, they're, they're amazing. But I, I think, you know, the one that's the most amazing is the simple gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have life everlasting. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were far off from him, that Christ died for us all. When we didn't even know him, when we didn't even love him, he died for you. He died for me. He died for all of us. 
And I think that is personally the greatest miracle. And I, I look over my life and like the absolute mess it was when I first encountered Jesus. And and he didn't find me because to him I wasn't lost. He knew where I was. He knew what I was up to. He knew what I was doing. He still loved me, but I knew nothing of him. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I had no exposure to church or faith or Jesus or anything. I didn't even know that Jesus was a man. I just thought he was like the Ronald McDonald to McDonald's. Like I thought he was the, you know, the face, the mascot of the church. That's that's all I thought he was. I didn't actually know that he was a man that walked the earth, you know. And and he is spoken about outside of the Bible. There is other archaeological, historical books where he's spoken of. So it's not just in the Bible. I was like, okay, this guy is actually a real girl. That's good. <laughs> so like, I had no idea. So when I say I had no idea, I had no idea. But I was really angry. I was overwhelmed with trauma and with grief. I was really lonely and I was spiraling into depression. I used alcohol to try and cope. I would drink to the point where I would completely black out. I had no recollection of what happened the night before. And I would drink to the point where my legs would stop working. So I would be standing there talking to you and then I would collapse because my legs would give way. That's how much I used to drink. Because I was just trying to find a way to cope with the pain, to deal with the things that I'd gone through in my life. But love stooped low. The greatest miracle is a life transformed by submission and surrender of my whole life to Jesus. His sacrifice saved me from literal hell because and then eternity in hell because that's where I was going. Let's let's not, you know, be all fluffy and rainbows. I was going to hell. And and he died for me. And I'm extremely grateful for that, eternally grateful. <laughs> um but not only did he save me from hell, he saved me from the power of sin. It says that he took back the keys of sin and death, that he has set us free from the power of the enemy. It doesn't mean that we can't still sin, but it means that we, if we choose Jesus, that we can be set free from the power of it and that we have the power and the authority in Jesus to resist it. We've been made priests <laughs> and kings. And it seems like a catchphrase or it's something really good to read in the Bible. Yes, you've been made kings and priests. But that's what we've been made. When we choose Jesus, when we choose Holy Spirit, when we choose the Lord, that's what we've been made. That we're priests unto God, that we minister unto him. And that we are kings, that we have been given authority and power and dominion, that we've been called to rule and reign on this earth here and now. We're not called to live cushy life. We're not called to just believe in Jesus. Guess what? Newsflash, the devil believes in Jesus. He knows he's real too. But that doesn't save him. We're called to live lives of power. Miracles should follow us wherever we go. It says miracles follow those who believe. Miracles don't go in front of you. They follow you. Your life should be, you should have a trail of miracles as you walk. <coughs> we should see people set free from demons. We should see the lame walk and we should be seeing blind eyes open. We should be establishing his kingdom here on earth now. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're actually 
offering, we're sacrificing, we're laying down our lives to him. When you offer a sacrifice, when you put something on the altar, you don't get to pick it back up again. You don't get to go to church on Sunday and go, God, I give you my all, and then you walk home and you go, all right, I'll just, I'll just do things my way for the rest of the week. And then you come back another Sunday and you do it again and again. I've done it. I'm sure we've all done it. But it's not our life. When we give our life to Jesus, it's not ours to take back. It's like no backseats. You know, you can't, you can't take it back. But when you truly, truly choose Jesus, you give up your life, you give up your desires, you give up your will, your plans and your purposes. But as Moshe said, Jeremiah 29, 11, we don't need to worry because God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a hope and a future. He has plans for us. We don't have to worry. It says he will give you the desires of your heart. You don't need to worry and we don't need to be holding on to the steering wheel so tight and trying to control our lives because he's got plans for us. God is our sovereign king. He is our king. He is our Lord and he is our saviour. But when we say when we say yes to Jesus, we say your way, your will. Jesus was the he, he showed us it. Lord, in the garden. Lord, if you could take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Life as a Christian is about establishing his will on earth now the way he wants it. Not what we want. We crave comfort. We crave the desires of our own flesh. We lean on our own understanding when things go pear-shaped. And when they do go pear-shaped, it's usually because we haven't actually inquired of the Lord first and got his direction on things. Like, should I do this? Should I not do this? No, no, I'm just going to do it. It goes pear-shaped. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm in a mess. Well, sometimes we won't get in a mess if we actually inquire of the Lord first. We have to find out God's decisions on things and then make them our own. Find out what he says. And then we align with his will, what he wants. And like it's, it, he says, his plans are good for us. Yes. To have a hope, to have a life. And just have this like hole, like all. So when you have a picture of all, you mean all. So you look at a glass of water, 99% pure. But if I put 1%, one drop of sewage in it, would you drink it? Would you drink 99% pure water with a drop of sewage in it? I know I wouldn't. Like, so that's what we talk about. All, we mean all, like 100%, like all of your life. Jay John shares about this. And um, when I was in Sydney a few years ago at Every Woman, and he said, you know, like we hear about it in, in Revelation that Jesus is knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door of your life. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And we open the door. We go, Jesus, you're amazing. You're my saviour. I love you. Come on in. And then we shut him in the cupboard. <laughs> and then we do life with Jesus stuck in the cupboard and we do our life. And when we need him, we pull him out like a little genie. We go, Jesus, I need you. Help me. And then things seem to be going better. So then we shove him back in the cupboard. But I just want to ask, well, what if you surrender your whole life? 
What if you actually open your whole life to him? When he goes to the basement door, he sits there and goes, let's go in here, where your trauma, where your grief, where your bitterness, where your resentment, where all your pain is hidden. And he goes, let's go in here. No, 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 we don't go there. We don't talk about that. No, no, Jesus, that's off limit. So today we've shared about God's goodness. He loves you. Like if we could just grasp how much he loves us. And we're going to open up the altar today because the spirit of prophecy moves through testimony. And God can move through anyone here today. And I really felt like it was a challenge today. A real challenge that there's areas of our life that we've compromised. There's areas that we've let compromise sink in, it's snuck in, and we, we've just allowed things. We've let our love go cold. Maybe we're just like, oh, Netflix and chill, we'll just chill, I need to switch off, I need to just lie on the couch and do nothing and binge watch TV. Or, or drunkenness. You know, like, let's call it for what it is. It's not God's best for us. He's not sitting there with a stick wanting to bash you over the head going, oh, you're a bad person. He loves us. God, he loves us. He loves us so much. Jesus comes to us with compassion. He doesn't come with a stick to bash us, to, 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 to shame us or guilt us. He just loves us. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.